Aussie music is something to be proud of. Wear it like a badge. Because it's Australian bands and artists that are the influencers of so many other musicians the world over. So at Triple M, we're proud to be able to showcase the power of the Aussie music scene. Paying both homage to the greats that have stood the test of time, right alongside the current, the emerging, the future influencers. The ones that will be next to make their mark on the global music scene. If it's Aussie and it rocks, it's right here. This is Triple M's Homegrown with Matty O. Yes, right around the country on the Triple M Network. That's 52 stations and on the brand new listener app. It is an absolute pleasure to welcome a man from one of the hardest working bands in the country, singing, writing about songs, important subject matters uh, that are crucial in this country. An amazing live show, amassed a huge following around Australia. Of course, I'm talking about one of our favourites. Bad Dreams, you'll have tracks like Philly Remains. Morning rain, double dream. dream. And we got a brand new album. Loving Nashville, Sick Florida, Jack. It is an absolute pleasure joining me uh, from the Adelaide studios, Ben from Bad Dreams. How are you, man? Ahoy. Good How to, are you? Good, man. Good to chat to you. Congratulations on this release. I was just having a look at uh, a bit of the history on the band, and I think this is your 11-year reunion. 11-year oh, anniversary, God. I should say. <laughs> Please don't remind me of that. <laughs> uh, you know, it's probably longer because we there are there email threads and songs being flicked around as early as 2010. So. Oh, no way. Keep that one to yourself. <laughs> it's weird, man. It's like kind of going through that montage of songs at the start. Does it feel like it was yesterday since the band started, man? Is it, does it feel like it's a lifetime ago? You know what's weird about listening to the older stuff? Not that I do it all the time, yeah. but if I do happen to hear it, I just sang, I th- feel like I sung so much differently. Yeah, that's a really like good Like my voice was in a different, I don't know, maybe I was, was just younger and angrier or something, but um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I sort of sing differently now. Or maybe I was just, I'm not, I don't smoke anymore. So. <laughs> That's a big and one, And I converted man. from beer to red wine. <laughs> the natural transition, I think. Mm. Yeah. Hey, congrats on this album, man. It's an absolute ripper. Like, uh, we're playing it around the offices here. Um, what's it like to have this one out, man? Where does, is this like one of the more satisfying releases for you, looking back at everything we've kind of been through over the last, you know, three or four years? Yeah, it definitely feels like the most complete body of work that we've created. Mm. And I think you can't discount all of the previous releases as a, a part of that, but it sort of all culminated in, in, in hoo-ha. Um, yeah, really happy to have it out. It was a lot of work. It took a long time, you know, not to dwell too much on the COVID years because it's kind of boring and yeah. done now, but you know, and we've said it a n- number of times in interviews, but we all, you know, there was a very real chance that we wouldn't have gone on as a group or as a bunch of musicians writing together. So yeah, it just feels, um, feels good to have it out there. What do you put that down to? Uh, just life getting older, like being in different cities? All of the above. We didn't know. It's also the type of music we play. You can't you can't really write it from bedroom to bedroom or home studio to home studio. You really need to be in a room together in, in yeah. one place to to feel it mm. and um, for it to come together properly. Which we 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 did try to do. Alex and I were sending each other back and forth. You know, stems of mm. guitar ideas and drum. It was all to like yeah. drum tracks, and it just had a very different feeling. Yeah, and you know, it's, our sound isn't reminiscent of of that style of creating together so yeah with, with the with the subject matter the, in the lyrics and the energy in the recordings exactly, uh, it, yeah. it's a very it's a very powerful listen 
as well, uh, lyrically as well. Can you tell us about some regional touring that you did? We were just talking to a mutual friend, uh, Jack Parsons, who runs Guts Touring. You did a lot of regional touring uh, with the Black Rock Band. Uh, can you explain what that whole process was right and how that's kind of influenced this record? The old pack horse, Jack Parsons. <laughs> Shout well, out. Well, we did the Guts Tour. Actually, we did Small Town Big Sound, which Jack, the same sort of group of people that organised that, mm. did a bunch of regional shows um, through Rye, Koroit, Talk. I can't even remember now. It's so long ago. But that was sort of just off the back of the, um, the lockdowns. We mm. did that with a band called Floodlights, which I'm sure most people yep. are aware of. And if you're not, cop a listen, because yeah. they're great and they're going to be... <laughs> Massive, I think. Yeah. But um, we started doing regional touring through, yeah, Small Town Big Sound, and then that developed into doing Guts. We'd actually already had the album recorded by that time, but um, it sort of tied in really nicely with a song that Alex wrote called Jack, um, dealing with, you know, truth-telling, um, the true history of this country, and, mm. you know, not speaking on behalf of Indigenous Australia, but speaking on behalf of ourselves and... Um, you know, what, what white Australia has to do in, in this context and that's to listen. Um, but in terms of the actual tour itself, pretty grueling, to be honest, going through the top end on a, on a, in a Toyota bus, um, 20 seater, popping tires, corrugated dirt roads. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do, but it Mm. is, it was totally life changing and we do have, um, that crew of people and Jack to thank for that experience. Absolutely, man. What has the response been to some of these songs like Jack? People love them. Yeah. Um, well, our fans love them. And, you know, we've, we do have a very loyal fan base. Um, we're not a, a big band overseas or anything like that. We're not a big band in Australia, really, um, in comparison to some other people. But, you know, the people that do follow the band, I think yeah. this is sort of that they appreciate the body of work the same way that we do. Yeah. Um, because I, mean, I feel like something has just finally clicked, maybe. I think that in the past, we maybe hid behind irony and tried to coat things in this in this wordplay that maybe we didn't need to. And we sort of mm. made a decision to be more emphatic and straightforward um, with the, the lyricism on this record. Yeah. Was that something that just kind of happened naturally, do you think? Or something that you wanted to do? Or something that was just you just felt a lot more comfortable doing? Um, oh, good question. I, I It wasn't... We definitely speak about Alex and I talk, Alex writes a lot of the lyrics. Yep. And obviously I have to sing them. Mm. So that's a unique it's kind of like a Dawn Walker, Jimmy Barnes type yeah. scenario. I mean I do write lyrics, but yeah. um mine are sort of more uh, pithy, like one liners. Yeah. And I, I I find it hard to formulate narratives yeah. in songs where Alex is really good at creating a story out of things. So yeah. um, you know, we do talk about lyrics, but um yeah, I, we didn't really go too much into depth. We, it, you know, a, a story, something like Mansfield 6.0, that it would be a report in the news. It was like, well, this is a story and you kind of just get each other from the get go. And you know what? We're sort of in simpatico with each other in that respect. So yeah, we don't yeah. go delve too deep into it. Man, I feel like you guys are playing really well. The lyrics are fantastic. I feel like it's all like really kind of gelling together and, you know, an important part when you're kind of putting together an album, any album, but I think like an album like this, you recorded with Dan Luscom. For those who don't know, I uh, worked with Courtney Barnett, The Jones, Amel and the Sniffers. What, what was that whole process, man? Coming together with him and kind of mapping out this recording and, and putting these songs together. So easy. Yeah. He made it so easy because he's, a bit of, he's just a bit of a genius and he's been there. He's seen it all. He's done it. He is a musician himself. Yeah. He has an encyclopedic knowledge of great guitar music um, within Australia mm. and abroad. So it just, it wasn't hard. He just got it immediately. 
Even it's yeah. you know in terms of going and twisting a knob on a golden tone guitar amp, it's like well there we go. That's yeah, that's yeah. the sound we've been trying to get for yeah ten years, and he would just do it with one flick of a button. So um, no, it was amazing working with Dan. He he truly is one of this country's um, great artists. Yeah, um, I think like every time you go into the studio and you're working with someone, a producer and or who, whoever, you always take something away from it and you learn something from that whole experience. What's one thing you took away working with Dan that you learned from him in the whole process? Um, I actually asked him this question at the end because we played a gig at the ESPY the day we finished the recording and I was like, oh, we hadn't played in a while and I was really nervous. I said, do you have any advice for performing? <laughs> he said, he sort of just paused for a little bit and looked into the, looked into the air and then just said, nothing matters. And I was, I've sort of held on to that because it's true. Like, you can think that what you're doing is the greatest thing ever, but really it only matters to a very small portion of the population. And, um, as long as you're trying really hard and you're being as honest as you possibly can, that's all that really matters. So yeah, yeah, not much matters. Just do your best as like basic that. as it sounds like, like that's, that. that's sort of my philosophy at the moment. <laughs> yeah, just like... back to basics. Yeah. I really like that. Man. And that's what rock and roll music is like. It's just basic and you can, you know, lather it up in whatever, um, you want to, whatever you can, yeah, you can go about it however you want, but we just wanted to sort of take it back to meat and potatoes. Yeah. I feel like if you try to complicate it, it will have the opposite effect of what you're actually going for. Yeah. Which I think we've suffered from in the past. We tried to do something and it turned out being less unique than yeah. what we could have achieved if we just stuck to our guns and did what we had to do. It's weird, man. I think a lot of bands go through that process and it's always... I don't know. It's a beautiful thing when you get to the other end of that, isn't it? Realizing where it's just like, no, it's just like, we, we only really need to be ourselves. We don't need to try and, and do anything else. Well, and for someone like Amel and the Sniffers, yeah. you know, you can capture that in your first album. Other people, it takes more time. Yeah. Um, I feel like it has taken us, as you said, uh, 11 years. <laughs> I, but yeah, I think that Hoo Ha really is a representation of, of that uh, journey. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and when I hear this album, I think a lot of your fans are, there's a lot of anticipation to, to hear these tracks live, man. And you're playing some awesome venues, the Highland Street Music Hall, the hometown gig for you, uh, Corner yeah. Hotel in Melbourne. And you're taking out a band who are no strangers to performing live, Children Collide, who I know you shared the stage with uh, a lot of times throughout your career. Yeah, they gave us our first big tour. It was like a 25-date run. I was <laughs> so poor. <laughs> yeah. living in a share house, playing footy, half-assing uni. Yeah. And, you know, those are the day, but those are the things that sort of you, you cut your teeth and you have to do it. You have to do the slog early. And, yeah, they, they gave us our leg up, which was huge. Awesome, man. Do you think there's um, a newfound appreciation as you get kind of further into your career for just doing the little things, like playing live, even just getting together for a rehearsal? Like uh, you guys live in interstate. Do you find like, uh, I don't know, like especially after COVID, you really, you love what you have? more than maybe for sure my favorite part is getting in a room and writing and recording yeah recording music and albums and singles and whatever that's my favorite part i've got kids now so it's like to do the um the travel part of it playing live it is still very enjoyable but it can be taxing because it's taxing on my partner who has to stay home and look after two little toddlers so there is that stress involved but um you know i'm not gonna stop so absolutely she has to live with it. <laughs> <laughs> what was the gap between uh, the f- when you finished recording this album to the release? Have you been writing in the interim? 
Yeah, we actually, it was a too long in my opinion. Yeah, that and, happened. That happens though. Yeah, it's the nature of the music industry at the moment. Yeah. But people's attention spans aren't long enough to do. You can't you can't be releasing one album every two years. It's, yeah, it's not enough. Yeah. So um, we do we had we actually recorded a whole album in COVID. Um, yeah, right. But it does lend itself to the sound I was describing previously with you know, more synth heavy yeah. drum track sounds, but we're actually in the process of, um, breaking news, Matt, breaking news. Yeah. Now we're in the process of, um, trying to get it out and mix it and see okay. what happens with that. But we are, we, we, um, we have started writing again. Oh, dude, that's exciting. So what's, um, what's the plan after this kind of tour that you guys are doing? Uh, well, we're going to the UK and Europe. Nice, um, man. Hopefully get an album out, um, do some regional touring back in Oz. Great. Do some festivals, um, see what happens. Just sort of keep the heartbeat going. That's super exciting. Don't man. stop. Yeah, good man. Well, I'm, I'm so proud. I'm so just happy. You know, obviously, I've been following your career since the start, and uh, I'd like to play a little game with you if that's okay. Sure. This one's cool. <laughs> so this is Mary Lane, dude. And what I've done is I've gone through your gig history. And I've plucked out just gigs at random, all right? And I want to you've tell chosen, you... You've chosen the worst guy to play a memory game with. <laughs> no, I have a shocking memory. No, no, I can barely this, remember lyrics. Look, this is, this is what everyone says when they go to do this. And you might not remember the actual gig, but you might remember, I don't know, a plane trip or checking in sure. the hotel or something okay. like that. All right, man? So we are going back to 2012 when you played with Children Collide. And you also play with these guys. The Mighty June Rats. So I'm yes. guessing that would have been on that 25-date tour? Yeah. 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 Talk to me oh, about that, man. Yeah. Two pretty rowdy bands to be uh, on the road with. They were a two-piece then, yes. June Rats. Yep. And they, I don't think, they might have had an EP out, and there was a different sound. They weren't doing the the 90s throwback thing. Yeah. Um, oh, they were wild then. They're still wild now. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like, yeah. props to them. They they go hard, and they're they're legit. Mm. Um, but BC and Danny, yeah, they're funny guys that very charismatic. Yeah. They were still doing, they were doing the same stuff back then. Yeah. What kind of rooms were you playing on that tour? Um, corner. Nice. Um, Jesus. Was it the Corova lounge oh, in Geelong? Yeah, absolutely. The standard. I don't know if that exists anymore in yeah, Sydney. Yeah, that's right. The zoo. I think we played at. Right. So kind of the venues that we play now. Yeah, cool. Yeah, same is, here. Which is nice. Not June Rats, though. They're much bigger no, no, rooms. No, no, but... <laughs> uh, let's go to 2016, man. Party in the Paddock in Tassie. Now, we had Violent Soho. We had Spider Bait. And uh, we actually played on that gig, too. And I remember talking to you before we were getting yeah. on a really small plane, and you'd been fishing somewhere. <laughs> Do you remember the fishing uh, days? Uh, no, zero <laughs> recollection of that. I was, was that 2016? Yeah, 2016. Yeah, not a great period of my life, to okay. be honest. All right. uh, no, not, not, nothing to do with anyone else but myself. Yeah. And uh, some uh, crazy antidepressants, which I'm happy to talk about. But okay. yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't remember much from that period. Okay, uh, a year later, okay, we've got the Living End Tour. Do you remember uh, doing a tour, the Shift tour with the Living End? I do. I remember it well. Um, they're legends, aren't they? The Living End, and oh, just such a great live band. Absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, so I actually got in a in a bit of a fight with their uh, guitar tech at the, ver- <laughs> at the very first show. Yeah. I won't mention his name, but there were some words exchanged, and 
I might have told him that I'd put his head through a wall. So, <laughs> but he seems like, I think we're all good now. By the end of the tour, he'd end up lending us one of Living End's amps because ours blew up. So. Oh, nice. That sounds like one of those situations where, uh, hey, support band's only got 15 minutes to sound check, and if you're a second over, you got to get the bloody hell off the stage. And I was a massive smartass. So. <laughs> yeah. fair, fair enough, he had a crack at me. Um, I've spoken to a couple of bands about this gig. It was in Tassie. It's called The Wheels Fall Off. Also on that... DZ Death Rays, Camp Cope. Oh, yes. And uh, slowly, slowly. Now, for those who don't know, Club 54 in Tassie wasn't the biggest venue. And I'm looking at uh, the lineup here, and it looks like a lineup for Splendor in the Grass. It looked, <laughs> <laughs> it looked pretty, pretty hectic, man. Uh, what do you remember about that? Launceston, Club 54. Yeah, that was a that was an interesting one. I remember that we had really bad accommodation because yep. it was like right next to the venue. Yeah. But it was this dingy room and yeah, you sharing sharing a room with four other bandmates and a sound person. Yeah. Not good. I remember that being a good show though. Yeah, nice. Tazzy yeah. always Tazzy always represents. It's good, hey. Yeah. Uh let's go uh, one year later with Splendor in the Grass. Absolutely massive lineup. We got Queens, Paul Kelly. Who's gonna make the gravy? Uh, some of our favourites too, like Hockey Dad, Bernard Fanning, All Day. Man, just describe, I know we've got an idea of what it's like, but describe the whole Splendour in the Grass process. Like I was a... just about to say, <laughs> the, the backstage area of the Splendour in the Grass can be the biggest like cesspit of <laughs> yeah. the strangest people brought together in one place and it's usually the worst weather. <laughs> yeah, it is, but right? It, it's also just so much fun. Yeah. Like, I, you never have a bad time playing there. We've, I think we've done it three times now. And that year we played, we, Robert Forster from the Go-Betweens oh, no way. came on stage with us. It was either that one or the one after, and we did um, Spring Rain with him, oh, which can, was huge. Can you talk to me about that happen, that relationship? Because I know that you guys have done a couple of things together. Well, he, I think his son, who played in Goonsex, yeah. RIP, it's a shame they're not a band anymore, but um, I think he, he had bought the... Um, double A side of Mindly Friend and Dumb Ideas and he okay. said, Dad, listen to this. Mm. And Robert really, something really struck a chord with him and Mindly Friend and he reached out and came to a, a gig that we played in Brisbane, um, rocked up to Soundcheck and said g'day. And no way, that's cool. Alex kind of kept the relationship going with him from there and he, yeah, we organised to play a, song, play a few songs together uh, wow. at Splendour that year. That's amazing. Uh, that's so Huge cool. Huge honour, yeah. And how cool is it to do it? in a spot like that too, like a splendor on the grass stage. And it's, it's a pretty magical yeah. moment. If you're going to do it, like obviously everyone, everyone does their collab thing at Splendor. And that was just, <laughs> that was our version of it. Um, man, we're talking about overseas. Let's talk about gigs with these guys. With the chats, that looked like a lot of fun. My word. Um, They're big over the, there, aren't they? Depths of winter traveling around the UK in a, in a splitter van. Yeah, right. It's, it's pretty grim. <laughs> yeah. In, like, it would, from the start of December, got back on the 20th or something, it was playing every night, loading in and out of venues. Yeah, it's not glamorous, mm. um, but they are a massive band over there. Yeah. And, you know, rightly so. They, they're they so good. Love yeah. that band. Uh, but that was a wild tour. I came back and slept for about five days after that one. I was going to say, just in time for the madness that is Christmas and having young yeah. kids, it must have been a pretty But busy. they, you know, they still do it. They 
overseas, yeah. it, it seems every month or so, it's crazy. They've got a crazy touring schedule. I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, man. Uh, let's talk about one more. Um, I loved the collaborations you've done with these guys and you played with them overseas as well. Uh, that looked like a lot of fun. It's so funny. We played two shows with them, one in Manchester and then the other in uh, at the Brixton Academy, which is like a five, yeah. like 5,000 cap rooms. Yeah. And they were a week apart. So we had to sandwich other shows in between. <laughs> oh, right. Well, we played like, I always re- refer to it, this place called the New Cross Inn, yeah. which is, I don't even know where it is. It's the, it was the worst venue ever. <laughs> yeah. But it's just so funny that, um, that difference between playing at like the Brixton Academy <laughs> yeah. and then the day after you're playing at the New Cross Inn on a Wednesday night. But that, yeah, I mean, what what's left to say about that band? It's all it's all been said, hasn't it? Absolutely, um, man. And uh, just amazing to have that relationship and, you know, Peter doing what he did with us with, with the uh, Like A Version and stuff. I was going to mention Rival. No, no, of course, man. I'm, I'm all about it. Um, what, tell me how that kind of came together as well. Well, we had the opportunity to do it again because yep. we had done it previously and we sort of just wanted to do something that, <laughs> that meant something yeah, <laughs> rather yeah. than doing like a, a funny cover of mm. some weird song from the eighties or nineties. We just wanted to do something different and, um, it, it just all came together. Alex was the sort of main driving force behind it. He, um, at the time Mumbali band had released, um, I can't remember the name of the song, but we were a big fan of the, the single that they'd released yep. on Skinny Fish, I think it was. And it sort of just all came together. They were available. Nice. They were related to Emily Watamara, um, who was keen. And then the big Peter Garrett jumped on, yeah. um, which was, it just all happened, honestly. And then, yeah, we were there in Sydney, rehearsed. He didn't even rock up to rehearse. I was going to say. Sort of, <laughs> yeah, he just rolled in and went for it and nailed wow. it. That's incredible, man. Yeah. What a story. Well, man, so many stories and memories to come. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you, man. I'm going to do one more game with you while I've got you here. This, yeah. This is me. called On Triple M's Homegrown with Matty O. It's time for... Uh-oh. It's my party or dinner. So this is called Right Party Dinner. I'm going to give you three acts. You've got to write a song with one. You can party with the next. And the third, you've got to take home for a family dinner. Okay? <laughs> these, these are picked completely at random. Your bands are... Just a All right, so you got Guns N' Roses. Your second one. Second is Prince and third. All right. All would be good to party with, right, and have dinner with. So that's actually a tough one. Yes. So yeah. I would write a song with Prince. Okay, yeah, I like that. I would party with Guns N' Roses. Yeah. And I would... What was the last one? Was it Cold Chisel? Uh, cold Chisel for dinner. Yeah, it's Cold Chisel for dinner. Just because I think that if you had Don Walker and Jimmy Barnes, oh, all of them actually, and Moss in the same room, yeah. you just have stories for hours. And you know what? You'd probably end up writing a song and partying with them all at the same time. Exactly. Well, <laughs> and we'd, we'd have a common thread with Mark Opitz and them, so we'd be able to... I'd be able to lean on that. Oh, what's what's that? I, I had him on the show. It was so cool. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had him on for a cool, full co-host. It was awesome. He rec- he produced our first two albums. Nice, man. Yes. Talks- so that big thumping stadium rock um, drum sound you hear on Dumb Ideas is Mark. Whoa, that's cool. Talk to me briefly a little bit about that, man. Like, uh, it's it's cool when you kind of, you meet someone with that wealth of knowledge and experience, right? Talk about learning from producers. Well, I had no idea who he was. Yeah. Um, but... We sort of, we, we created a bit of a list 
of uh, producers we'd want to work with, living or dead. Mm. And um, he just, his name kept popping up on all of these great Australian records. Yeah, that we, yeah, were, yeah. We, we, we were heavily influenced by at that time. Still are. Mm. And um, he was available and keen. Because oh. uh, I, don't, I don't know what he was really doing at that point, but um, probably just chilling down at St. Kilda going for yeah, I reckon. walks and <laughs> yeah. smoking weed. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he was available and he had a, he had a studio in Brunswick West um, and we went there and recorded and yeah, just sort of all came together nice. and then we did another record with him. Nice, man. Was so it, that's Dogs at Bay and Gutful with him, yeah. Was it uh, one of those, did you have a few of those nights where you had a couple of drinks and he'd just sit back and tell stories and you'd just sit back and listen and just be like, this is so cool. Yeah, that was just usually during the day. Yeah, while cool. we were while we were paying for his studio time, he was chewing it up with. Like, okay, we're gonna get the guitar part down. <laughs> yeah, shut up. That'd be two thousand dollars, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome, man. Hey, Ben, it's been so much fun, man. Congrats on the record. Congrats on the tour. It's gonna be awesome. Can't wait to come and see you at the corner, man, and just have a beer. And yeah, it's a really powerful, awesome album. And uh, yeah, man, it's it's really exciting. The response has been great, and it's no surprise. And thanks so much for taking the time out to come and have a chat, man. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Matty.